0: Hey everyone, this is Trip Odenheimer I'm your host of The Shadows Podcast, and I am so excited. 100 episodes, this is the 100th episode of The Shadows Podcast. This all started on Thursday, October 1st, 2020, when I sat down and I recorded the first ever episode with my personal mentor and one of my best friends in life, Joe Bogdan. I never thought they would get to this point where we're at 100 episodes. But don't get me wrong, it's something I circled on the calendar this time. It's something I was looking forward to. I wanted to make it very special. And I have a very special guest with us here today. But just to kind of put things into perspective, we have been downloaded in over 65 countries, which for me, that is crazy to think that all the way from, I'm sitting here looking at the list right now, from Germany, Canada, United Kingdom, Guam, Australia, Ireland, Puerto Rico, Italy, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, Japan, Korea, Spain, Netherlands, uh, Belgium, Iraq, Brazil, Colombia, Greece, New Zealand, Vietnam, Chile, uh, Sweden, Poland, Turkey, just to name a few. It's crazy looking at this list, seeing where all people have listened to episodes from the Shadows podcast, which just blows my mind to be sitting here in this one room, recording each and every one of these episodes, and to think people around the world are getting to hear these incredible stories. We've also recorded two seasons of the Rebound series. Those have been personally my favorite as a sports fan. Super cool experience for me to be able to sit down and listen to these individual stories about bouncing back. Also two seasons of Rise From The Shadows. Those have been really cool. Trying something different, which I'll talk more about that on the end of year episode. And also two Halloween specials as well. It was really cool for me. Perhaps one of the biggest highlights I've had was being able to share the microphone with the Scream Queen herself, Dee Wallace, in an episode that we dedicated to my late sister, Myers, uh, on her birthday. So that was really cool for me to be able to do that and have that moment. I've also been featured on numerous podcasts as well, sharing my story and sharing everything with the shadows. i was able to join the Lima Charlie Network, and that has been a, a huge family of sorts here on the podcasting world and then being highlighted at the air force sergeants association conference in san antonio this past year super cool i never thought i'd be able to do that but seeing my logo amongst the others there and then being featured at one of the tables uh, and being able to record there as well it's just a super cool experience and come on i've had my own coffee how cool is that me it's just been a whole whirlwind of emotions just sitting here thinking that i'm at episode 100 but i wouldn't be able to do this first if it wasn't for the listeners so if you're out there if you're listening to us each and every week even if you're just catching episodes here and there i greatly appreciate every single person who's taking time whether it's been a jog a drive to work just sitting around listening to it i really do appreciate you Also, to every single guest who's taken time out of their extremely busy schedules to be here on The Shadows Podcast. I cannot thank you enough. Also, friends, students that I've had come through the course who've mentioned it and afterwards have told me that they have become listeners. And most importantly, family. Teresa and Becton, y'all are my world. I want to thank Teresa for supporting me, everything that i put into the podcast. And Becton as well. Uh, really cool to have back then you do the introduction piece on episode 87 the chronicles of my dad Charlie Bodenheimer Um, so it was awesome to have that piece as well and you know whenever I started this this was something that I wanted to do to where uh, god forbid if anything would ever happen to me my daughter would have some sort of record of you know some body of work of what I've done Uh, And it's something I wish I would have had more of with my dad Um, So this is really cool for me to be able to do this and for her to eventually go back and listen to one day. So this is just super cool. I got my eyes set on episode 200. Uh, Got a little bit of time before we get there, but I'm going to have something special lined up for that episode as well. But once again, I cannot thank all of you listeners enough for supporting this show. It's super cool. I love it. I'm having so much fun. I'm having just as much fun now. when i started and i can't wait to see what comes next so this is an amazing episode let's go ahead and get things started enjoy episode 100 of the shadows podcast all right i want to welcome everyone to the 100th episode of the shadows podcast this yeah. is super cool experience for me, going back to when the pandemic kicked off, and I started thinking of, wow, I could maybe do something like this with a, a podcast. Now I'm sitting here, not just on 100 episodes, but I'm sitting here with the Chiodo brothers. I'm sitting here with Steven and Edward. How freaking cool is this, that I'm having my 100th episode with the two of you? Welcome. Well, uh, thank well,
1: Thanks for inviting us, and congrats on your 100th episode. That's great. Yeah, if, if I had known it was the 100th, I would have dressed up. I would
2: have yeah.
1: worn a <laughs> well, tuxedo or something. Well,
2: this <laughs> is
0: the 100th episode, but before we hit record, my wife basically did her first episode of podcasting. We're, we're getting some interviews in there, so this is a, a milestone <laughs> for both of us. But let our uh, audience know like, where are y'all located at right now
2: we're in um we're in california um our offices are in uh, studios in san fernando california so los angeles essentially
0: okay and if you're watching here on on the youtube channel and you see killer clowns stuff behind all three of us uh so like i said super cool opportunity to be sitting here with y'all before we get going i have some a couple of like three quick like just fun rapid fire questions about your career to throw at you favorite film both of you have worked on wow oh wow well, it's actually
1: well i mean our own projects or maybe just contract work because i mean uh, mm-hmm. most recently uh, uh marcel Lachelle with shoes on is something that's kind of atypical for us as far as our past work but it probably was the most um uh, i don't know it's it was an honor to work on it, it was the most, it's a beautiful film
2: okay yeah and I'd, I'd have to agree with that that's probably the one um most proud of right now um because it's a great movie and it's so different from what people know us from i guess in like our like a typical kyoto brothers type thing it would be uh you know what the work we did on team america with matt and trey would be like my next you know favorite in terms of like an accomplishment because that was just insane But, but marcel is
1: uh the one that's trending right now and it's just a great little movie that's okay. funny, I would okay. say the same thing. I mean, uh, talk about different categories, I think Team America was the most challenging and also the funniest film we've ever worked on. Yeah. And then if I think about shorts, that Vincent short that I did with Tim Burton back in the early eighties, yeah. that was probably the nicest little short film. It's just a wonderful film.
0: How was that working with Tim Burton?
1: That was great. Yeah. I mean, uh, he wasn't really the Tim Burton we know now back then. Right. Actually he was very creative, spoke with his hands a lot. I knew exactly what he wanted. I just loved his work, his sketch style. And um, Vincent was sort of like a little uh, autobiography of uh, how Tim felt, how he positioned himself in the world. Uh, He wanted wanted to be like Vincent Price. So nice little film. It was very, very creative, fun to work with him.
0: I'm going to act like I have not heard the answer to this question. But what was your favorite prop that you dealt with?
1: Well, Edward, you want to go? Um, my, yeah, yeah,
2: my uh, yeah, my my personal uh, favorite is the uh, the giant critter ball from Critters Two. Uh, it's just so so strange. Mick Garris had this idea in Critters Two that he wanted critters to jump together and make combination balls. And you know, as the movie progresses, what it had to go somewhere, so he said, "Let's do this giant ten foot version of it." So. uh it was a blast. Uh, this giant ten-foot thing with heads on it. The the hero one had mechanical uh, jaws that it's open and closed, snapped, and then light up eyes. And uh, we mounted on to uh, work with the effects person, on Marty Breslin, who um, who mechanized it, put it uh, an axle through it and a bearing and a chain drive onto a a pickup truck, and that was done for all the hero close-up work and the chases. And then we made a uh, an inflatable version, a ten-foot version over a weather balloon that had a canvas bag and then a rug essentially that looked like critters and that's the one that we would get behind and run and push and that's the one that ran over people yep. uh that's the one that burst out of the uh the the hamburger warehouse and stuff rolled
1: down the hill one night we had to go chase it it was that was a blast
0: oh such an iconic scene too
1: that was it was really fun but i guess my my favorite is rather obscure, I wonder how many people really remember it, but uh, Matt and Trey, the South Park guys, they had a sitcom, I think in the early aughts, I think it was, called That's My Bush. And it was a sitcom about George W. Bush's family in the White House. And it was one episode where we made Felix, the 40-year-old aborted fetus, uh, who was (laughs) pro-life. And it was like a little funny little embryo puppet and uh, we puppeteered it and he was was pro-life. It was really a funny script, but didn't take either side. Uh, that was probably the most unique product, <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: su- super cool. Like, I'm so envious of everything y'all have done, and just like looking at the like resume I mean, stuff that really pokes out of people. Gremlins, uh, w- what did y'all do in Gremlins? Is it a scene where they were running down the road?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was just one shot. Um, yep. uh, we work with Fantasy Two, Gene Warren Jr., and Leslie Huntley, they were the special effects company that contracted us to do the puppet, So I sculpted the miniature animation puppet, Oh, uh, Gremlin uh, I showed it to Joe Dante. That's when I first met Joe yeah. really funny guy. And uh, I sculpted it fantasy to cast the puppet. And then my brother, Charlie, he painted them. And I think there were like 40 or 50 of them. That yeah. Were made. Something like
2: it's the, uh, the scene after the movie theater and they're in the alley. Yep. Yeah, they're but, all going down the alley together.
1: Yeah. And it was Pete Kleiner who animated uh, 40 characters in that one long, long cut. It was just brilliantly done. Beautiful shot.
0: You know, what's funny about that, too, is I, I did zero research for y'all with the Gremlins. But I knew from watching Gremlins that was the scene. It felt like it had your touch on it to where I was like talking to my wife. I said that had to be the scene where uh, they dealt with Gremlins. So it just it goes to show that was super cool. And I'm a huge Gremlins fan. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well
1: also. i guess the, the the kyoto touch was just the fact that it was stop motion which we yeah. also do at our company but it was really fantasy too who were contracted to do the effects academy award winner for the abyss and a long long heritage and special effects
0: yeah and for our listeners out there they've dealt with killer clowns robocop elf which i mean the time this episode comes out here in a couple of weeks i mean we we'll, every some people are already putting their Christmas stuff out and starting to watch yeah. holiday movies. So oh, yeah. Elf is another one. Pee Wee's big adventure, uh, was a huge part of my childhood growing up. But speaking of growing up, uh, tell us what in the world was it like in your household when y'all were kids growing up?
1: Oh, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, Back in those days, if you had favorite monster movies, you couldn't go to YouTube, you couldn't go to cable, you couldn't really watch them on TV. So how do you get to see the films you wanted again and again and again? So my older brother Charlie and I, we wanted to see these classic films. So we found they were making these eight millimeter movies. Maybe a lot of the young audiences won't know what that is, but it was film and you would actually buy a projector and you would actually view these movies at, at your home. So we wanted a projector for Christmas. My parents bought a camera projector setup so we could take movies and actually show them in the projector. Charlie went up into the attic way before way before Christmas, saw that we got them and we started planning like little movies that we wanted to make. So that was it. We just wanted to view movies, ended up getting a camera and started making movies in our basement. This is on Long Island back in the uh, mid, early 60s actually. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah uh, caught the yeah, play caught, animation caught and, the and stuff.
2: Yeah, caught the monster bug pretty pretty early on you know, King Kong, Mighty Joe Young, Son of Kong, all those, they were like, uh, Thanksgiving staples on, uh, WWWOR in New York. And on Thanksgiving, they would have the marathon. And so we, you know, we start our Thanksgiving watching all three of them in a row, you know, King Kong, Son of Kong, Mighty Joe Young. And then, um, the ABC, uh, network had a, uh, Afternoon movie special And they would always show The the Harryhausen movies Jason and the Argonauts Seven, Just in bed Journey to the center of the earth There's all our favorite Genre movies and stuff So you know um, That's what captivated us When we were young Just watching those Those movies And, and like Stephen said the, the ability to buy them on Film and then watch And they would like mm-hmm. the, Jason and the Argonauts It was like Maybe four or five Six parts So we would just Our parents would just buy us Like the last two reels That had the Hydra and the, the skeleton fight because we weren't interested in the other stuff. We were just interested in the you know the monster portion.
1: Oh yeah, and then we started <laughs> shooting it off of the screen. We had our camera, and when the movies were on TV, we used to film it off of the television <laughs> so that we could watch it again. And we studied it.
2: Um, so we invented streaming way back then. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, but it was funny uh, on uh, demand uh, anyway. It, it, it was a form of play for us. We had our army yeah. men and dinosaurs and our you know Lego blocks and stuff. And we used to kind of tell stories when we would play. So animation was just a way to make these stories come alive one frame at a time. And we made movies in the basement. That's what we did.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask for like army figures and those instrumental and like the stop motion that y'all got into.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, they had GI Joes Mm -hmm. and it was kind of articulated. So we were able to uh, make movies with uh, that animated puppet. In fact, you can go, I think it was on our our Kyoto YouTube channel. Yeah,
2: on our YouTube Kyoto Bros channel. We have yeah, a couple you can of see, them. but
1: well, The Beast from the Egg, which is a G.I. Joe covered with hair. And then actually, we tried to do our own holiday special, very much like Rankin and Bass Rudolph. Yeah. And <laughs> we actually attack our turkey. So if you go to the, our site, <laughs> you can see a very early, a little devil. He was supposed to be a devil that took over Christmas. And he, I think he chops a elf's head off with a little uh, <laughs> mart- martini sword.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. We'll put those links in the uh, description for this episode. When when did y'all realize that uh, this was actually going to be a career for you and not just, you know, something I had fun with as a child?
1: Oh, hardly yeah. ever. I mean, <laughs> it was really kind of naive. Our family wanted us to get into something a little bit more stable, yeah. at least what they felt was stable, because filmmaking wasn't something you saw every day in, on the East Coast. And they were concerned about us, you know, making a living. Right. We went to college, but I I never really thought of it as an occupation to make money. I just followed my passion. Luckily, for for us, it, it ended up being a career that we could raise a family on. Uh, but no, I never thought about it as a way to make money. Just something yeah, it
2: wasn't to- yeah, it wasn't yeah. And on long you know Long Island where you know, we you know our formative years were you know wasn't. It wasn't like being in Los Angeles where your neighbors, were everybody's in the business, like your mm-hmm. neighbor here is a, is a gaffer or an electrician, worked in catering or props or things, you know, it was just a very regular middle-class suburban upbringing. So we always had this, we love the movies, we we're fascinated with it, wanted to tell stories, but really didn't have a clue that you, you can make a living doing it. It wasn't until we we all individually went our separate ways into college and things uh, and you know to pursue our our kind of our passions in the arts, that um it came back to we wanted to make movies without really knowing what that was, and then when Charlie and Steve had the opportunity to move to Los Angeles, I think that kind of crystallized what the industry was, and then I joined them you know several years later, and uh, you know even then you move to California, you want to make movies. They, just, they don't just let you make movies. Right. You have to you know we kind of paid our dues by using art skills and abilities to work on uh, effect shops and other other companies and kind of learn how the movies are made what the business was all about you know steven did have i mean he was making films in college he uh he made a film uh called cricket that uh, he won the young director's cup in Khan's yep. film festival so but again we weren't. we didn't know enough about the business how to parlay that into getting him an agent at the time or a manager somebody that would have uh, shepherded him and us through the business in the early days.
1: Yeah. It's true. When you think about, we didn't know anybody while we were growing up who actually wasn't made a career out of any aspect of filmmaking. So it never occurred us to link filmmaking as an occupation. And it wasn't until, I guess we just followed our passions and found out, you know, if we want to do this, we have to find a way to earn a living. And, yeah. I was a sculptor, I was a stop motion animator, and that, those were my first jobs in, in the industry working those two professions. And Edward was, uh, he did some mechanical design, working in prop houses, um, and Charlie was an illustrator. He would do storyboards. So us working as, let's say, um, below the line in the industry, in those, those uh, job positions, we learned about filmmaking process. I would learn producing by watching ADs and producers and how they put budgets together. Uh, so we we learned by doing it, which is the best college. I learned more just on uh, on independent productions than I did in, in
0: school. Yeah, and it seemed like y'all very well balanced with each other too. With, as a, it it just seems like it was it was meant to be that y'all were able to come together and regardless of what path they took with college and and start making some magic behind the camera. And w- what would you consider like your first big break?
1: Oh, wow. I, I guess it would be, well, as an effects company, I would say it would be Critters. Mm-hmm. We had done spot effects, like one shot, one special prop. But Critters, um, we were actually keying the show, a term we used for, we did all the Critter elements in those films. And that put us into an uh, another level of bankability as far as a production company, as an effects house. But yeah, and, but with that, it,
2: yeah, but but even, even that was a, a precursor to producing, because again, for the first time, we were involved at the kind of the ground level of a production. We were brought in very early on. Mm-hmm. We were there as the script was being refined and, and gearing for production. So, I mean, me personally, eyes wide open, like a sponge, just kind of soaking in everything about production on how they put together, how the, the director talked to us as a crew and then other people, the actors and then the producers, how they dealt with us. Um and just kind of just a huge learning experience. Um, you know, again in terms of a production, again, Charlie and Steve, um, they moved to Los Angeles in 1980. I joined them in 1984. And uh we had actually I had come out on a little vacation for on sword to sorcerer giant crypto heads that was built. And I guess that's that's officially like the the you know, the first official modern day configuration of Kyoto brothers where the three of us worked on a job professionally together um but um when I when I came out in 1984 they were in the middle of a movie called radioactive dreams mm-hmm. and I, I they just started I came in the like the middle of the project building these uh giant uh, mechanical rat 15 foot tall rat for uh same director of sword and a sorcerer and it was a masterpiece it was a, an incredible uh a mechanical prop but um we found out before we even go to shoot it that the they decided that they couldn't afford to shoot it as written. So it was just going to make a cameo in this movie. So we spent, I don't know how many weeks on it. I was there for about maybe six or eight of it. Um, But spent all this time and money on this project only to find out it was being cut out of the movie before it was even shot really. And it was just frustrating because that's not why we came to Los Angeles. not why I came necessarily. And uh so at that time, right after that, with all three of us there, we decided to put an effort into something that we're of our own. Yeah. And we did a uh, a little company idea promo uh that we called Dino Alley. Um and really that that that's kind of like the when you look back at our our history, that's kind of like that decision and that effort really set our path moving forward as a, a creative entity, something that would do original content.
1: Yeah, we we kind of redefined why we came to Los Angeles. It wasn't to do great special effects props only to be cut out of a movie or do you know, great great art for films that never got released. So we redefined and we said, no, we were storytellers. We want to make films. And then we started with Dino Alley. And it's funny, if you track everything, one thing led to another. We did this Dino Alley, which was really a little promo for our company, which essentially was a one minute animation of a punk rock dinosaur with a mohawk on his head. Running down a New York alley and spray painting our name on a, on a, on a brick wall, that one that got us some festival notoriety, and then a producer who was looking for a dinosaur footage, uh, Bill Stout, the famous uh, prehistoric uh, illustrator, recommended, "Oh, Kyoto Brothers has a has a, a dinosaur footage." So Richard Jones, the producer, was looking for the footage, uh, licensed art Dino Alley, put it into his documentary, and he knew some people at KABC in Los Angeles. It's a rather long story, but it's interesting to track. And they had some extra money for specials. So we came up with this idea called Cousin Kevin, a story about two boys camping out in their backyard, and a and vivid imagination makes their reality, makes their imagination become real. They're visited by monsters and all that kind of stuff. So that was my first live action directing, and Edward produced it. Charlie was an art director and production designer. And we had a a, a local um, after-school special that we produced and I directed, and we wrote
2: yeah, and it's funny, not right around that time, Critters was happening. So we took what we learned from Critters and put it into that into that little special of ours. Again, it was something, KBC gave us a, a little bit of money. We supplemented it with money that we had to just increase the production value as an investment in ourselves. And again, in that one, festivals and got some attention. Um, and it's funny, from there, uh, concurrently, we were working on... Uh, Shelley Duval's Fairytale Theater. Uh, we are, our production designer was a good friend of ours, Michael Earler. He would always bring us in to do like the cool thing in an episode, like nobody else wanted to do. Um, it's funny. That's a kind of a reoccurring theme in our careers. <laughs> but uh, you know, so we got really friendly. We 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 became really good friends with Shelley and Fred Fuchs, our producer. And then one day, he saw Fred saw cousin Kevin and really enjoyed it and he comes to us guys you have you have any other feature ideas cuz i've some friends of mine have just come into a line of credit and they're doing you know lower budget genre type movies and uh th- and we had a you know we had a, r- a rough idea of killer clowns from outer space that we showed it to fred fred took us over to transworld entertainment moshe diamant paul mason and we had the opportunity to pitch killer clowns from outer space to them um our first Feature film pitch ever, sold it in the room. It was kind of bizarre and strange. By the time yeah, we drove back, by the time by the time we got back to our offices, uh they were calling and wanted to know our attorney's information so they could start negotiating the deal.
1: Wow. It was yeah. So just doing good work. We were yeah. doing our art skills and and doing work and making our own films and you just keep at it the opportunities kind of pop up but you make your own luck by working good work gets work
0: yeah this is this has been great because it's it's been follow you know follow your passion uh be persistent when things don't work out look at the bright side of things and and take it a different direction like you said when the the prop wasn't used it was we're, we're going to kind of shift and pivot this way and then opportunity um so so much for for people to learn from with this and then you were talking about, it's almost like doing more with less in a sense. And that's something that we've heard a lot, especially on my end in the military, but the budget for killer clowns, you know, it's been talked about with, I think it was what, 1.8 million production budget y'all had, but uh, that, that is something that now we're still sitting here in 2022 talking about killer, probably more so now than, (laughs) Before, yeah. I mean, there's a video game coming out. I we had met y'all at a Comic Con and just the amount of killer clown stuff that was there is crazy to see. NECA's got stuff coming out. What does it mean to y'all now to look back and see some of these projects that y'all have worked on? And you're like, wow, it is killer clown shirts are still selling like crazy. Costumes are selling like crazy. What does that mean to y'all?
1: never could have imagined it in a million yeah. years. Uh, originally, we just wanted to make a film that we wanted to see in the theaters, filled with the yeah. things that inspired us, things that we loved. And after 35 years to see that people respond to it and like it and actually buy merchandise, it's just like, it's a kick. I can't, it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, again, it,
2: it's tough to get a read on, you know, how popular it is now, but it seems to have grown exponentially just in terms of people that saw it when they were young, when it originally came out have married, have kids. Those kids have grown up and now they're having kids that are now seeing it. So it's that that little spider web, you know, it's going bigger and bigger, getting going, growing larger and larger. So, uh, yeah, I mean, again, we have uh, my shirt here. Yeah. You know, it was a, a maze at the Universal Studios this year, uh, you know, a revival from 2019, where it was both in Florida and Hollywood here. It's not in Orlando um,
0: this year. This year, not happy oh, about maybe. that because we were there and that we were we were irked. It was not in Orlando.
2: Maybe maybe next year they'll bring it <laughs> back. But it, no, it's a, uh, it's you know I I can't say that. I mean it is unexpected. I mean we always had in our mind that this could be Rocky Horror Picture Show midnight screenings and sort mm-hmm. of thing. And it took a long time for that to happen. So, um and I, yeah again the level of it is I think caught us all by surprise. Yeah,
0: video game too video yeah. games. and that's the uh, mm.
2: and that's I kind of the, the cherry on top maybe you know yeah. we'll find out you know a real real numbers on how popular it is cuz video games are you know kick ass and this one is going
1: to be great oh, and it'd be interesting too cuz i know there's a horror fans really enjoy the film which i'm surprised it's not really a, the most horrible film it's more of a sci-fi comedy but with the game i think it's going to expand the audience uh we'll mm-hmm. see how many of the gamers embrace the concept and the gameplay. I think, uh, you know, there are shooting games that are kind of fun and violent and you get that kind of thrill. This one, hopefully you'll get the same kind of thrill and excitement, but there's a massive dose of comedy that I think will maybe maybe give us a broader audience.
2: Yeah, I I think it's going to do really well. Just like... um... You, at Universal, both in Florida when it was mm-hmm. there and Hollywood, it was consistently the number one, number two attended house and almost always the fan favorite because it stands out as being so unique in that environment. Those experiences, mm-hmm. um, you go through those houses, it's, uh, you know, even though the themes are different in terms of the, the franchises they're based on or the original houses, there's always a horror element. It's, it's bloody, it's visceral, gory where clowns isn't that it's got this veneer of something different that is just, it's got the same kind of scares and, you know, woos and boo cuts type thing, but the veneer of it is just so different. So whimsical. And the the game is, has that same sort of thing that it's, it's very eerie. It's very creepy, but what you're fighting against or fighting as is just so over the top funny.
0: Yeah. It, it, when we were in Germany, uh, we were stationed in Germany every year. Our trunk or treat car was <laughs> Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And <laughs> you'd be surprised how many people would come up and they're like, Killer Clowns from Outer Space? Oh my God, our kids, kids were coming up. Like you had mentioned earlier, it was from generation to generation. And uh, i had to send you all the picture. It was really cool, our setup that we had there. But um, it, it's just super cool to see that, like you said, after that many years, people are still talking about it, which yeah. brings me to the, the last two questions I got here for you. First, any any future projects that y'all can talk about that you have coming up for people to keep an eye open for?
2: Yeah, unfortunately, what, with the things that we're working on, we can't really talk about.
0: The video game. Uh,
2: the, the video game is one thing we can talk about that it's coming, but we can't really share too many details. But we've yep. played it. It's kick-ass. It's a lot of fun. You can play as a clown or you can play as a townsperson. You have really cool weapons at your disposal. Um, you can, and the best thing about it, you play with your friends and yeah. work together to either defeat the human race or
0: defeat the clowns. Yeah, are was, you able to I uppercut thought. someone and knock their head off? Yeah, have to see. <laughs> I'm try <have> a sick <laughs> So they, they
1: tried uh, it, the game developers, uh, Good Shepherd uh, Games and Terrorvision, two companies, uh, the publisher and the actual game company. They tried very hard to keep the authenticity of the movie. So what you're going to experience is the 1980s version of the clowns and the gags, I think are all going to be there. Um, It's just going to be a a wonderful way to interact with uh, the characters in the movie.
0: Yep. I'm super excited about it. Last, last question here for you. 50 years from now, when someone mentions your names, what do you want your legacy to be? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to be killer clowns from outer space. And I wouldn't be offended by that. You know, it's not, uh, you know, it, it doesn't have a lot of messages in it,
3: mm-hmm. but
1: I think it's just pure entertainment. It's just, it's what we went to the movies for. Yeah. Uh, just to sit there for an hour and a half and just be taken to another world with other characters and experiencing the thrills of of adventure and comedy. And so it wouldn't be a bad legacy for me to be remembered, remembered for by Killer, yeah, by Killer. I mean, I first of all, I hope they say, "Hey, those,
2: they, those were cool. They were cool guys. They were good guys. You know, <laughs> they treated people decently." But I'm quite content. I'm very content with having Killer clouds from Outer Space in parentheses behind my name.
1: Yeah. yeah sometimes they, they, as a derogatory term, they might call something a one-hit wonder. And in this industry, even to have the opportunity to get at bat and actually make something. Is phenomenal. So a, uh, a one-hit wonder to me is fine, but I think besides the movie, our overall career kind of embodies the kind of creativity and characters and comedy we want to create. Just about everything we've done, not just our own projects, but other projects we have worked on, kind of embodied that same kind of spirit. So hopefully, our body of work will represent, you know, some really cool, funny guys who created their art.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, we've been really, we've been really fortunate. We've, uh, we've, we've been able to. Work in just about every medium, you know, TV, you know, direct video, television shows, uh, movies, shorts, you know, streaming, you know, our Alien Christmas on on Netflix, you know, so the thing of ours. We've been really lucky and and cool, even if it's just one shot in a movie, Large Margin, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, the S6000 uh, SUX commercial in Robocop. Those are things that people walk away and remember. Yep. And so that that, that that's kind of cool. We've, we've had yeah. a pretty eclectic, varied career. So hopefully we're we'll remembered for that. I mean, and I mean, Killer Clowns will always be the one for sure. Like I said, I'm very, very happy, very content with having that, you know, be be my legacy. Um, you know, there aren't many movies from that time period that have this sort of visibility today, that have the product lines mm-hmm. and amazes at Universal Studios Horror Night. So, um, you know, I... I Again, we didn't we didn't come to make a mark. We just wanted to tell stories, and it's 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 cool. After all these years, people are are still responding to the things that we made.
1: Yeah, it's, it's wonderful for an artist in any medium to have their work actually click with the audience and have people respond to it. So that's where we are.
0: Usually, when I do the final comments for our listeners, uh, right. when I open it up for that, I, I usually just say what final comments do you have? But for y'all, I'm curious because I teach a lot of lessons that focus on creative minds, innovative minds. Some people are like, I'm not that creative. I don't know how people are able to think like that. What message would you have for our listeners in terms of creativity and innovation?
1: Well, you know, for the people that say, I can't do that, what they're doing is they're comparing what they do to people out there. It's an Mm -hmm. unfair comparison. You should just be bold and do what you want. The fact that your work might be different shouldn't be a bad thing that's a great thing industry is looking for people with different voices different points of view and a different perspective and different art forms so don't start building there are enough obstacles out there naturally don't start building your own obstacles by saying what you can't do it's not good enough just do it because you enjoy doing it and feel just just do it yeah yeah and 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 success
2: is such a fleeting thing and success is different for everybody else i mean some people it's trying to get a movie made and on netflix all the time it's just just getting that thought out of your head and onto paper or whatever medium you do just your personal expression you know if you have if you have a passion just do it don't let anybody stop you criticize you you're not good enough oh this isn't good well it's not you're the final arbiter of your own artwork. I mean, you do what you want to do, whatever makes you happy and uh, anything really, it's just, it's just not artwork. It's a, uh, you know, just don't let the people around you, you know, be the obstacle, you know, just do what what you like, what makes you feel good. As long as you're not hurting anyone, you just go for it. It's uh, you know, that, that your personal expression is important to you.
0: Yeah. Well, I cannot thank the two of you enough for this opportunity this was super cool for me uh, as a huge fan of, of all of the work that you've done. Uh, I couldn't think of a, a cooler guest to have on my show for the 100th episode uh, than the two of y'all. This was super cool. And like I said, cannot thank you enough. So I really do appreciate you all taking time. Well, thank you.
1: And, and for you and all of your people that watch it, all the people in the service, thank you for your service. Yeah. What you guys do is so important. We're just here to entertain people. It's not the highest level of accomplishment, but I'm glad you guys <laughs> enjoy it and stay safe. And again, thank you.
2: Yeah, we 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 have fun. We uh, you know we don't really, we don't risk our lives for the for the good of others. <laughs> you know, we just maybe make them smile a little bit. But uh, you do the real work, so uh, thank you. And, well, and uh, that's what
0: we need. Year we need that escape we need that those smiles and that like you said the escape for an hour and a half while you're watching something with your family or with friends or i mean there's probably been people who've been deployed who've who've watched your movies and it's taken their mind away from from where they're at so i can't thank y'all enough for all the work that you do and folks what an amazing 100th episode tune in next week for 101 here on the shadows podcast hey shadows listeners If you're looking to make some extra income that also impacts people, then you need to look at becoming a certified leadership coach with Giant. If you don't already know, Giant has been in the leadership space for over 13 years. I got certified through Giant in 2018 and I've been teaching ever since. Just to give you some context, they used to own and operate the John Maxwell brands. They ran the LeaderCast conferences where Jim Collins, Henry Cloud, Malcolm Gladwell, and Simon Sinek, just to name a few, were regular speakers. They have over 500 coaches worldwide, working in over 127 countries, and are being hired by companies like Google, Chick-fil-A, Pfizer, Delta, and more. And yes, you can do this too. I know this might sound intimidating, but giant will literally give you everything you need to start your own coaching business from scratch. You get hands on training from top level coaches to learn the exact methodology and tools that six figure coaches are using. You get an all in one online platform to run your entire coaching business. Even if you want to work 100% remotely, and you'll get to join a thriving community of coaches from all around the world to get started. Giant is hosting a coaching business workshop to help you learn the ins and outs of how to build a successful coaching business. This is both for experienced coaches, consultants, and those who are looking to start coaching and consulting with little to no experience. If you wanna hear the really good news, this whole workshop, it's free, 100% free. And you can reserve your spot by going to giant.tv forward slash shadows. Why not give it a shot? What's better than making a positive change in people's lives and making some extra money in the process? Giant launches a new hiring cohort every month. Now, they only have 20 coaching slots available each month. So it's first come, first serve. So go ahead and make sure you reserve your spot. If you're ready to make an impact and get paid doing it, go to giant.tv forward slash shadows, giant.tv forward slash shadows.
3: You know, most people go through life aiming at nothing and hit it with amazing accuracy. And they find themselves just feeling stuck in a rut, wondering if this is all there is. And I'm here to tell you, no, it is not. And life is too dang short to live it stuck in a rut. So check out beyondtherut.com and listen to episodes of other people who are also feeling stuck in a rut, asking themselves the same questions you are around their faith, their family, their fitness, their finances, and just their outlook on future possibility. And there, we hope that you are encouraged and inspired to make your own path and live life. Beyond the rut. So again, the go rut. check out beyondtherut.com, where you can find blog posts and podcast Beyond episodes, as well as some tools to help you design the targets you wish to hit in life in those Beyond five Fs: faith, family, fitness, finances, and future possibility. Because again, Beyond life is too dang short to live it stuck in a rut. Now go check it out. Beyond the rut. done. It's yours.
1: Yo, what's up? This is Joe from the Llama Lounge Podcast, a proud member of the Lima Charlie Network. If you are interested in listening to diverse conversations about all things, life, learning, and leadership between leaders and experts in the military, as well as across the civilian industry, follow the Llama
0: Lounge on all podcast platforms and Llama Leadership on all social media outlets, and visit our website at llamaleadership.com. New episodes post every Tuesday.
1: We cannot wait to have you join us. In the meantime, be safe, stay healthy, and keep growing. Llamas out.